If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a Midi clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. AA Loma Linda and 106.5 FM, Yukaipa. BuySellMakeOffer.com is our New Year's gift to you. Circle this date, Friday, January 15th. You're invited to start the new year off right with a subscription to BuySellMakeOffer.com. Some other selling sites can be sketchy, and even others will charge you a fee on every item you list. But with BuySellMakeOffer.com, you can sell your washer, dryer, cars, or even your home with no per-item fees. And you can use Skype, make a video. You can actually see the person you're buying from, or they can see you, all to better sell your product. Wouldn't you like a feeling of security when you buy or sell? That's why we call it BuySellMakeOffer.com. And you don't have to wait until January 15th to find out what the buzz is all about. Go right now to BuySellMakeOffer.com and type in your email address so you'll know exactly when the fun will begin. The first 30 days are on us. And then it's as little as $7.95 per month to sell up to 50 items. Join the revolution in online selling with BuySellMakeOffer.com. For thrilling sports action on television, it's hard to top the sheer excitement of bowling, isn't it? No, not that game of ten pins, but the passion and pageantry of college football's bowl season. America's elite powerhouse teams are rewarded for their successful seasons by traveling to various sunny vacation spots to play each other in such memorable classics as the GoDaddy Bowl, the Outback Bowl, the famous Idaho Potato Bowl, and of course, the Quick Lane Bowl which actually sounds more like bowling than football. In fact, the proliferation of bowls has become so ridiculous that even teams with poor seasons are playing in them. Who could resist watching the Cure Bowl, for example, pitting Georgia State, which lost half of its games this season, against San Jose State, which had a losing season? There are now more than 40 of these bowl games, with three featuring teams that lost more games than they won while nine include blah teams that won six and lost six. The real game, however, is not on the field, but the gaming of our tax laws by the corporate sponsors. Practically every one of these bowls has a brand-name corporation behind it, using the highly hyped matchups to draw TV viewers, who are then blitzed for three hours or so with the sponsors' ads. 
All of this is hinged on a trick play. The IRS allows the sponsoring corporation to treat these self-promotion telecasts as a cost of doing business, wholly deductible from its tax bill. The upshot is that bowl games that wouldn't be able to pay for themselves through free market ticket sales are artificially sustained by a corporate hustle that relies on a huge unwarranted government subsidy. This is Jim Hightower saying, there's even one game called the Tax Slayer Bowl, sponsored by a dot-com outfit that specializes in, guess what, teaching people and businesses to dodge taxes. How's that for unintended irony? KCAA 1050 AM and 106.5 FM are pleased to announce the brand new edition of The Stephanie Miller Show, right here weekdays, Monday through Friday at 4 p.m. Ladies and gentlemen, it's The Stephanie Miller Show. Join Stephanie every weekday for her fun humor and snappy wit. The perfect antidote to cantankerous, grumpy old conservatives. Stephanie Miller makes weekdays fun at 4 p.m. Right here on KCAA, 1050 AM and 106.5 FM. Bob Vila here with my home improvement tip of the day. When I talk to homeowners about safety, it often centers around using tools, ladders, and so forth. But there are a lot of other ways that you may be injured in your home. One of them is by mixing the wrong chemicals. You've probably heard you shouldn't mix bleach with ammonia. That's true. It produces vapors that can damage your lungs and even kill you. Also on the don't mix list, bleach with vinegar. When combined, they give off a chlorine vapor that's similar to the poison gas used against Allied troops in World War I. Bleach shouldn't be combined with toilet bowl cleaners either, since they too can produce toxic fumes. Also, steer clear from combining highly acidic products with products that are highly alkaline. They can cause serious chemical burns if they come into contact with your skin. Before using any household product, it's best to check the label. Potentially harmful interactions are often listed there. Get more info at BobVila.com and right here at home with me, Bob Vila. Empire Talks Back. The attitude that, well, the little guy cannot win. Uh, seems to prevail despite the fact that over time we've seen that the little guy, if he is persistent, he becomes the big guy. Empire talks back. No, it's because maybe people figure out a little knowledge is like smoke. It leads to the fire. Empire talks back. I think this this drive for equality, this drive for justice uh, is gathering steam as opposed to fading out. I think more and more people realize the importance of uh, the freedoms that America represents. Empire Talks Back with Wallace Allen and Friends, Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. on AM 1050 KCAA. But now it seems like things are finally coming around. KCAA. KCAA Radio now joins the Sunday morning worship services of the Pruitt Baptist Church in Van, Texas with Pastor David McNary. If you have a Bible with you today, I want to invite you to turn with me to John chapter 4, the fourth chapter of the book of John, please. As we talked to the children a little earlier, just in a couple of days, not very long now, we're going to cross another mystical line in the sand. I think it's interesting whenever we leave an old year and move into a new year, there's something about it that just seems like gives us hope, doesn't it? It gives us a new, a new opportunity. So we're going to be leaving 2015. And I was thinking about it a little earlier. You know, whenever I was a, a youngster, when I was a teenager, I thought, 
wow, I hope I live long enough to see 2,000. And then I thought, wow, if I do, I'll be 51 years old. Never make it. You know, never make it. I, I, I just really didn't have any idea that we'd make it till the year 2000. Here we are, leaving 2015, and we're going to enter the new year, 2016. We did this just two months ago, it seems like, Brother Terry. You know, it's we got the new year, but these years just keep getting shorter and shorter. Well, Thursday and Friday probably will be real similar, real similar, unlike Friday and Saturday this past week, because yesterday kind of went crazy, didn't it? But they're going to be real, they're going to be real similar. I think, I think weather-wise, they're supposed to be real close to the same, so they're going to be similar in many respects. But even though we know that to be true, we, we look at the two days differently, because Thursday is going to be 2015 and Friday is going to be 2016. There's just something about it. I don't know what it is. I don't know why it is, but we just see it as a as a, a place of hope. We see it as a place of new opportunity, a new start. We need we need a, a new opportunity uh, for a new year, and it seems to offer to us what we're looking for. Because you see, we can we can look at 2015. We see the boo boos. Anybody make any boo-boos this last year? I'm going to raise both hands, okay? I'm going to raise both hands. And you notice all my fingers are standing up. You see, we make some boo-boos, and those things are in 2015. So we have hope. We have a new opportunity. Over in the book of Isaiah in the 61st chapter, Isaiah spoke. You know, most of the time the prophets, when they spoke, they talked about doom and despair and and judgment. But over in the 61st chapter of the book of Isaiah, beginning of verse 1, the prophet writes, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for the ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Now, I think it's interesting that, as I said, most of the time they talked about doom and despair and all of the difficulties and the judgment of the Lord coming upon them. But here, Isaiah writes to offer hope. Isaiah writes to offer hope. And you and I know now, because we live in this age of grace, we know now that he was talking about the Messiah. The Messiah was coming and he was going to bring hope and peace to us so that we might be better aware and that we might be born in literally into the family of Almighty God. Now our scripture reference for today is found in John 4. We're going to begin in verse 19 and read a few verses. The whole story is critical and important to what we're going to talk about today, but I want us to take a look at what he says here. Beginning in verse 19, the woman said to him, to Jesus, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain, and ye say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. And Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor at Jerusalem worship the Father. 
You worship you know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. The woman saith to him, I know that Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. And Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. I that speak unto thee am he. I think there's some very interesting thoughts in this passage of Scripture because you don't find very often Jesus saying, at least it's not recorded in the Scripture, that he declares who he is. He wants them to be able to know and to believe and to figure it out. But here he declares to this woman, first of all, that he is the promised Messiah. He said, I'm him. I am he. Excuse me. I'm the one you're looking for. Not only that, but Jesus proclaimed that the form of worship that was in existence at that time and up until that time was no longer going to be the way. That's not the way we're going to do it anymore. It's going to be different. It's going to be a, it's not going to be the old form of worship, the legalistic sacrificial system, but it's going to be a new and spiritual kind of worship. And I believe that when he spoke of the true worshipers, he actually crossed all human boundaries and barriers and prejudices. I believe that he honestly was saying to this woman, look, this is good news for you. He says, we're, we're, we're the Jews and we know who we worship, but it's going to be different and it's going to be a worship of, of the Spirit. It's going to be a worship of truth. We're going to be a worshiping God in spirit and in truth. And I believe that what he did there was he said, doesn't matter your nationality anymore. Doesn't matter, doesn't matter your skin color. Doesn't matter your religious background anymore. He said, it doesn't matter what your political position is. We're all going to be worshiping God in spirit and in truth. Folks, the worship of God is a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the heart. We, we talk about the difference, uh, those, those who think they're saved and those who really are saved. It's just a matter of coming from here to here. <laughs> they say 14 inches. I don't know. I guess it's different on some people. But from the head to the heart, you can have a head knowledge without knowing Jesus. But you have to know Jesus personally, and that comes from here. You, you make a friend. You, you, have, you have a good friend. You have someone that you care about, somebody that you love. It comes from here. It's not just a head knowledge. Listen, in fact, if, you, if, you, if we based our friendships on head knowledge, we'd never have any friends. <laughs> we wouldn't have any friends because we know things about each other, you see? And so we do this because we care, and it comes from our hearts. So today I want us to talk about this spiritual worship. How does this spiritual worship begin? Well, first of all, it begins in spiritual faith. The beginning place for spiritual worship is faith in Almighty God. As a test of her faith, Jesus told her that He was the promised Messiah. He wanted to see her reaction, you know. It'd be like if you lived in that day and somebody came up to you and he said, Hey, guess what? I'm the Messiah. Sure you are. Sure you are. You know, sometimes uh, sometimes whenever I've got on my overalls, if I go into town, whatever, somebody asks me, say, well, what do you do? I'm a preacher. Sure you are. <laughs> sure you are. I heard about a guy that was in a grocery store one day, and he was standing in line, and this lady looked at him and said, are you a preacher? He said, no, I've just had the flu. <laughs> Amen. Well, 
He wanted to know what her reaction was. And how did she respond? She responded in faith. He said it to her and she went, wow. Now, why did she respond in faith? Well, because he had told her about her life. He had told her about her life. He said in verse 16, go call thy husband and come hither. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, you told the truth there, lady. That's what he said. Thou hast said, well, I have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband, in that thou saidst truly. He said, so you've told the truth. You've told the truth. You don't really have a husband. And so she responded whenever he said, I am the Messiah. She responded in faith. In the following verses, the Scripture says that she immediately went into town and declared to the people, actually the men in town, she knew all them, they knew, they knew her. So she went to the men in town and told them that she had found the Christ. She had found the Christ. Did she understand everything about being a believer? No, I, th I think this is very interesting. She didn't understand everything about being a believer. We sometimes try to hold people back. Well, now wait a minute, you gotta learn this, you gotta know this, you gotta be able to do this, you gotta understand what it means to be a Christian, you gotta act like a Christian before you can become a Christian. No! You become a Christian. You come to Christ in simple faith and He does the work. He's the one who does the changing. He's the only one who has the power to do that anyway. So she didn't understand. All she knew to do was just believe. You remember in, over in John chapter 3, there's a story about a man that came to Jesus. His name was Nicodemus. And he came to Jesus by night because he didn't want anybody to see him. After all, he was probably a member of the Sanhedrin. He was a Pharisee. And so he came to Jesus by night because he had some questions, and the questions came from his heart. You see, he had a lot of head knowledge about religion, but he didn't know the Messiah. And so he came to him, and he asked him some questions, and Jesus told him, said, Nicodemus, you need to be born again. You need to be born of the Spirit. And then later on in those passages of Scripture, he told him about how that could happen. Look at verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world, the people of the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. And then He goes on to say this, He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. You see, he told him, he said, here's what you need. I'm telling you, Nicodemus, you need to understand, you gotta believe. You gotta have, you gotta have faith. I think it's, I think it's interesting that Jesus duplicated what he said in verses 15 and 16. Of course, 16 is the one we recognize most. You see, the new and spiritual way of worship begins in spiritual faith in that Second thing, not only about spiritual faith, but that spiritual faith is followed by spiritual conviction. Although Jesus didn't condemn the woman at the well for her less than desirable lifestyle, He did call it to her attention. We made mention of that. He did call it to her attention there in verses 16 through 18 where He told her about her life and how He knew what had gone on in her life and where she was in her life but he didn't condemn her for it. 
He just reminded her so that the Holy Spirit could take that and apply it in her life and she could decide for herself. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. You can't make anybody get saved. Their sin is brought to their attention. Sometimes it's by something we might say or something that they hear on the radio or in church service or in Sunday school or something they hear from their mom and daddy. But the Holy Spirit is the one who has to take that information and make it real in that person's heart and then draw that person to faith in God. You remember when this woman went to town? She said, come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? She said, can't you see, can't you see from what He told me that He is the promised Messiah? Now I want you to notice, she came under conviction of the Holy Spirit and believed, we know that she believed, she went forth in her faith, she took the action of faith. Not only that, but we understand that because of what happened on that day, there came a spiritual conviction. Folks, I want to tell you something. We need some Christians, we need some believers, we need some church members with spiritual convictions. Spiritual convictions. Now, if it's a spiritual conviction, that means it comes from God. Okay? It's not, it's not a conviction that we read about in some other book or that we try to dig up from, from inside. That conviction comes from God. It's a spiritual conviction. And when you have spiritual convictions, your convictions will be based on what the Holy Spirit of God has to say. And the best place to find that is right here. Right here in this book, you see. In this book. Now, there's a lot of people out there that are waiting for a blinding light or they're waiting for some sort of some sort of huge thing to come about. If they want to hear the voice of God. Listen, God's already spoke, recorded for you right here. You have to read it, you see. God has placed His Word in our hands so that if we want to know more about Him, all we have to do is read about Him. He's given Himself. He's, he's uh, prepared Himself. He's shown us Himself. Everything that we need to know about God is right here in God's book. Right here in God's book. He can bring conviction. Jesus often said to people that He dealt with on earth, go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. Don't you think that's, that's interesting? He told Nicodemus, he said, you have to believe in me first. But then he says to others after they come and find the deliverance that they're looking for, he says, go and sin no more. He said, have some conviction about you. Have some spiritual conviction in your life. To some, he says, come and follow me. Now, loosely translated, that means come with me and do as I do, live as I live. That's what Jesus wants us to do. You say, well, wait a minute, what does that mean? I have to grow long hair and a beard and put on a robe and walk around in sandals out in the desert? No. <laughs> He's talking about the love part of him, okay? The part that, that is sacrificial, the part that's willing to give up some of your selfishness and follow and follow the Lord. First, you have spiritual faith. We see it demonstrated. Then you have spiritual conviction, a change of life. And then you have spiritual service. You see, when the woman at the well realized her newfound faith in the only Savior, in the true Messiah, she immediately, she immediately began to serve Him. She immediately began to serve Him. You know what the results of it were? Well, that's found over in verse uh, 39. Chapter 4, verse 39. And many of the Samaritans, 
Now, she was a Samaritan, okay, remember that, woman of Samaria. And many of the Samaritans hated, they were hated by the Jews. They, they just, there was no, mm -mm, they didn't get along. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testified, he told me all that ever I did. So when the Samaritans were come unto him, they besought him that he would tarry with them, please stay. And he abode there two days, and many, many more believed because of his own word, and said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves, and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. Is it not interesting that those who were unwilling to believe, one willing to follow God, now have come to the place where they know God in the forgiveness of sin through faith in Jesus Christ. I want to tell you something about this woman. The point is this. We can all serve the Lord. Now, if I was one of those motivational speakers, I'd say, okay, now everybody say it with me. We can all serve the Lord. Every one of us, okay? We can all serve the Lord. You don't have to have a theological degree. She didn't have a theological degree. But she went to town and witnessed for Jesus. She went to town and witnessed for Jesus. And, and Jesus described to his disciples what he saw and what they should be seeing. And that was a field white under harvest. There, were, there was a multitude, I believe, there was a multitude of people who came out to see this thing that they had heard about. You don't have to have a theological degree. You don't have to have read the Bible through all the way. All you have to do is just say, Lord, I believe in you and I want to serve you. I want to do your will. You see, all she did was told to all of those people what had happened to her. What had happened to her. You know what? There will be those who will be disputers of the Bible, and if you try to read the Bible to them, oh, I don't believe that, but they can't dispute what's happened to you. And the fact is, if you've been serving God, if you've been living by spiritual convictions and they've seen you, then they will know that something is different about you. And you can say, I can tell you what it is. I know what it is. You know, I hear people testifying all the time. They go to the hospital and the doctor says, I, I can't explain this. And all you have to do is say, I can. <laughs> God did this. God is in the business of performing miracles when miracles are needed, and He uses them to bring glory and honor to Himself. Well, next Friday is the first day of the new year. What does it have to offer to you? Well, it has to offer to you something new and spiritual. It's a new beginning through faith. Many of you, I know, have already believed in Christ, and you have that faith. It's a new opportunity for spiritual purity. It's a new opportunity for you to live according to spiritual convictions. It's a new opportunity for you to commit yourself to the service of Almighty God. To commit yourself in this new year to be a servant of the Lord. To commit yourself in this new year to share Christ wherever you go. I want to tell a story and see if I can explain it. Several of you have offered, offered to me, out of the goodness of your heart, opportunities to be able to come and fish in your pond, if you have one. 
Some of you have offered to me the opportunity to come and pick up firewood or to cut firewood, pick up firewood. Some of you offered to me opportunity to go and hunt on your property. And I'm very grateful for that. But let me tell you something. Whenever I go to those places, when I have opportunity and I go to those places, I try to be sure, first of all, that you know that I'm going. I ask permission so that you'll know that I'm going to be there. The second thing I do is I always notice that when I go to these places, there's a, a gate. Usually there's a gate before you can get on that property, a gate or a wire gap at least. And you open the gate and you drive into the property and then what do you do? You close the gate, okay? You close the gate and then you climb over. Let me tell you something. I try to leave the property at least in as good a condition as I found it. If the gate's open, I leave the gate open. If the gate's closed, I close the gate. If there's a lock, I lock it. You know what I'm talking about. Let me tell you something. Friday, 2015, will be behind you. Will you close the gate? Don't let the trash from this last year, the difficulties from this last year, the struggles from this last year, don't carry those things on your back as you go out. You know, whenever we come to this altar, we come and we pray to God and ask God to forgive our sins and take them away, and then we stand up from this altar, we turn around and we grab a hold of that baggage and we take it with us. No! Leave it here. Jesus will take out the trash later. Just leave it here. He wants 2016 for you to be new and spiritual. Go ahead and shut the gate on 15. Close it. Leave your failures. Leave your frustrations. Leave your struggles. Leave your sins. Leave all that behind you and start over. You know that, well, in reality, God gives us opportunity for a new start every single day of our spiritual life. He does that. He does that. Will you accept what He has done for you? And will you accept the Lord's challenge to be all that you can be in the new year? Father, I thank You for this day. I thank You for this time of year when, when Lord, while we know that it can happen to us every day and each day of every year, it just seems like, Father, it, that, that there's an opportunity for something new. There's opportunity for a, a grander hope. And so, Lord, I pray that throughout this week, Lord, You'll be preparing our hearts that You'll be doing Your work and ministering to us even as You always do. But Father, help us to have ears to hear and eyes to see so that we might know that you that it is You that is at work in our lives preparing us for 2016. Now Father, we thank You for bringing us this far. Help us, Lord, to accept the challenge to leave the failures of the past behind and take up our cross and follow Jesus in the new year, to be more like Him. Now, Lord, speak to our hearts. If there's someone here today who's never accepted Christ as personal Lord and Savior, I pray that, Father, today would be the day that they would enter in through faith to a personal relationship with Christ. Father, there may be Christians here today who have been surviving off of the failures of the past. Father, I, God, I pray that You'll speak to their hearts and 
Father, help them to come today. Help us to realize that we can unload today and help us to unload and prepare our hearts for what you're going to do in our lives this year and the year ahead. Father, speak to us today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You're listening to the Sunday morning worship services of the Pruitt Baptist Church in Van, Texas with Pastor David McNary. 1 John chapter 1, please. I want to talk to you today on a subject that we're all way too familiar with, but we don't like to talk about it. It's the subject of sin. Amen. We know way too much about sin, about the practice of sin, but I want to talk to you today about the attitudes about sin. Several years ago, while I was pastoring in West Texas out in Big Spring, a new convert came to me with a question. He'd only been a believer for a short time, but he had begun, as so many do, to read the Bible. He was going to read the Bible. Well, he had read other books, and he knows that to read a book, you begin at the first, and you go to the last. You begin in the front, and you go to the back. That's the way you read a book. Unless you run out of time, then you go to the back and cheat a little bit. But anyway, he had started doing that. He had read through the book of Genesis. And he had gotten into the book of Exodus when he came across a passage of Scripture which did not seem consistent to him. He had studied enough and had learned enough and had heard enough in his time on earth that this didn't seem to be consistent. It seemed to contradict some of the other things that he had already learned. So he opened up his Bible and he looked at me and he read a passage of scripture out of Exodus chapter 20 and verses 4 and 5. Let me read it for you. Exodus 24 and 5. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children unto the third and the fourth generation of them that hate me. So his question was this. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Ch -ch 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 
Chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Preacher, is that scripture saying that my children will, will suffer as a result of my sin? Wow, that's, that's a good question. It's a good question. I explained to him that the passage of scripture that he was reading was very practical. Okay, the Ten Commandments. That's the passage we're reading out of. Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 20. And I said it's very practical. And what that scripture says to you is that if you abandon the Lord, if you as a family turn your backs on God, it may be, may well be three or four generations before people in your family will come back to God. We have that kind of impact on our young ones. We have that kind of impact on our children. They follow us. Now, if you go to church, they'll follow you there. Maybe kicking and screaming, but they'll follow you there because you tell them that that's what they're going to do. Because you understand that that's what's important. Folks, people today will look for any kind of excuse to be out of church. I mean, whatever's coming along, <laughs> you know, whatever's coming along, I, I, don't, I don't have to go to church today, you know. I mean, uh, my wife told me the other day, she said, I should have stayed home from church last Sunday. I should have stayed home from church this morning because we have company. And i got to fix dinner. Can't tell you how many times I've heard that one. <laughs> you know, my ox is in the ditch. We we like to use anything and everything to stay home from church. You know, where you talk to your children on Saturday and they say, "Well, what are we going to do tomorrow?" Oh, we got to go to church. Holy cow! Got to go to church. Is it a got-to thing to be able to be in the presence of Almighty God, to worship Him, to honor Him, to lift up your voice to Him in song and in prayer and in every other way? Is that a burden to you? I certainly hope not. It should never be a burden to us to be able to have the privilege, by the way, and you heard me pray about it a while ago, the privilege that was bought with the price of lives, to be able to be free enough to come and worship God in freedom. And folks, we need to understand that that's why we gather on the Lord's Day is to worship, to worship the Almighty. Now listen, I want to tell you something. I don't know where all that came from. It's not in my notes anywhere, but evidently God thought it needed to be said. So let us hear it from Him the way He intended for us to. Now, I realize that this is not a popular subject, but we're going to talk about it today. It's found in 1 John. We're going to begin reading in chapter 1 and verse 8. The scripture actually goes all the way into chapter, into chapter 2, but we're not going to deal with that. We're going to deal with 1 John 1, 8, 9, and 10. And the subject is attitudes, attitudes about sin. 1 John 1, 8. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Verse 10. If we say that we have not sinned, we make Him a liar 
and his word is not in us. And by the way, Jesus is the living word. He is the Logos in John chapter 1. He is the living word of God. Now I want you to notice there are three attitudes about sin that are spoken of here. Two wrong attitudes and one right attitude. Okay? going to be real simple. Two wrong attitudes and one right attitude. The only thing is I'm going to talk about them all out of order. Okay? I'm going to talk about them all out of order. The first attitude that people have about sin is found there in verse 10. They Some say they have never sinned. They have never sinned. Now, I realize that, that I'm preaching to the choir here and that I don't have any people here that would say that, but it might amaze you. You see, one of the things I talk to children about before I lead them in the sinner's prayer to accept Jesus Christ is about sin. I ask them, do you know what sin is? I think it's critical that they know what sin is. If you don't know what sin is, then you don't know what you're being saved from. So it's critical that they understand what sin is. Most of the time, they'll say, yes, I know what sin is. It means doing bad stuff. It means telling lies. It means those kinds of things, disobeying your parents. Occasionally, I'll look at one of them in the eyes and I'll say, are you a sinner? Usually, mom and dad sitting there and they go, no. So you're saying to me that you're not a sinner. You've never done anything wrong. <laughs> They're in a bind because mom and daddy's there and they know that they've done stuff wrong, right? Mamas, you, you realize that your children don't always do what's right. Hello. <laughs> I know you're little angels that you have. But every once in a while, they're going to make a mistake. They're going to mess up, right? So we've all made mistakes. They'll look up and they'll know that mom and dad, mom and dad knows that they've done something wrong, but they don't want to admit it right here in front of mom and dad and in front of the preacher and everybody. And so sometimes I say, would you like for me to ask your mom and dad to leave the room for a minute? You know, but we have to admit, we have to recognize that we're sinners. Folks, I want to tell you something. There's people today who say that they have never they have never sinned. Folks, it wouldn't be included in the Bible if it weren't true. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. We call, if you say that you've never sinned, you're calling God a liar. Why is that true? Because God says in his word, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For all have sinned. For all have sinned. There's people who say that, they're, that they have never sinned because they say there's no such thing as sin. There's no such thing. There's no such thing as sin. The reason they say there's no such thing as, th as sin is because they say there's no such thing as a final authority. They say there is no God. So, you see, in reality... God is the one who created us and he's the one who says what's right and wrong and being like him is what's right and being unlike him is what's wrong, okay? So it's sin. It's sin, but they don't believe in God. They say there is no such thing as sin and they've never sinned because it doesn't exist. Then there's others who say they've never sinned for a different reason. But their logic is just as flawed 
The commentator says their mistake is that they think of sin as the kind of thing which gets into the newspaper. What they do not realize is that sin is, and it's the Greek word hamartia, hamartia, which literally means missing the mark. Now what mark is he talking about? He's talking about the bullseye on the target. Now, the way we like to look at that is, okay, God, uh, God has laid all of this out and he's given us a target. And as long as I'm on the target, I'm all right. No, 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 no. Anything outside of the bullseye is sin, okay? Anything that is less than like God. That's the reason God went to all that trouble in the Old Testament to tell us about himself. That's the reason he revealed to us his laws and his commandments. Now, that's not to say that man hadn't messed some of that up too. But I'm just saying that God revealed himself to us so that we'll know who he is and what he's like because his plan, his desire, is for me to be like him. And anything short of that is sin. Sin is not being bad. It's just not being as good as God is. And I'll make it any more clear than that. Some years ago, there was a southern boy who was arraigned in juvenile court for stealing a watermelon. He was guilty. Everybody knew it. But before passing sentence, the judge asked the boy, is there anything you wish to say before I pass sentence? After only a moment to think, the boy asked, Judge, have you ever stolen a watermelon? There was silence in the courtroom for some time. And then the judge blurted out, no cross-examination allowed, case dismissed. <laughs> all that boy did was reveal to that judge that we're all sinners. Now, was what he did wrong? Yeah, it was wrong, because that was something that belonged to somebody else. What, was the, what would the sentence be? To pay the man for the watermelon, you know? I mean, well, that would be my suggestion anyway. Tell him I'm sorry and pay the man for the watermelon. Anybody here who hadn't stolen a watermelon? Ooh, I'm not going to answer that. Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. All right. The second one then is found in verse 8. Verse 8. I told you we were going to do this out of order. The first thing was never sin. The second point is no sin. No sin. Verse 8 says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Now, this it's a similar statement, but it's a little different because what it's talking about is no sin now. No sin now. There are a lot of people in our, in our culture, in our society, in this great United States, and in fact around the world, who believe that there is an opportunity for a person to reach a state of sinless perfection. Sinless perfection. Where I don't sin. <laughs> Praise the Lord, I wish it were true. Where you can say, I don't sin anymore. There's a lot of people say, well, God saved me from that, so I don't sin, I don't sin anymore. Now, this is a little different than what it was in, in that other portion, but it's important to realize. John was teaching Christians about 
At, at that time, about the heresies, heresies of the uh, Docetic Gnostics, they declared that they practiced abstinence from all sin. They wouldn't participate in anything because they were afraid that it was sin, and they wouldn't they wouldn't allow themselves to be caught in sin. They elevated themselves to that position. It was a self righteousness. They elevated themselves to that position of sinless perfection. But I want you to listen to the words of Isaiah. You, you think that, well, well, wait a minute, this is just all New Testament, Old Testament. Isaiah says in 64 and verse 6, we are all as an unclean thing. What? Did you hear that little three-letter word in there? A-L-L, all? We are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags in the sight of the Lord. They're uh, the best... <laughs> The very best that we can do within ourselves is garbage. It's filthy rags. They're, they're bandages. The bandages, it literally talks about the bandages that come off of the lepers. They're filthy rags. So the best that we can do, we need to recognize, realize that we're all sinners. And the best that we can do is just garbage. It's trash. That is within ourselves. But there's another situation. Believe it or not, there are many people today and some who are involved in some religious organizations who believe that they reach a point in their spiritual develop, development where they are above sin. Now, I'm going to tell you a story about a guy one time. I was talking to him and talking to him about his relationship to the Lord. Yeah, 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 yeah. I know God. I, I know Jesus Christ is my personal Lord and Savior. And yet he knew that I knew that he wasn't practicing his faith in a biblical context. He was not, hear me, he was not a godly man. Well, preacher, you're judging him. No, all I'm doing is inspecting his fruit. And he was not a godly man. He was not a godly man. So I, I asked him, I was talking to him about it, and he quoted to me a passage of Scripture. The passage of Scripture is Galatians 2.20. And what he said was, what he did was not sin because it was Christ in him doing those things. So he was blaming his sin on Jesus. Well, Jesus never sinned, and so he can't do that. But it wasn't sin because Christ was doing it in him and so it couldn't possibly, couldn't possibly be sin. All right, I'm going to read that passage of Scripture for you because I want you to see if that's what you get out of it. Here's what it says. Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh... I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, folks, I want to tell you something. That scripture does not give you the license to sin, nor does it give you the right to say that when you do the things you do that are not expected to be done by God, that you can blame it on Jesus. You better not do that. I wish I knew where that guy was now. It was a long, many, many years ago. But there are people that feel that way. I have no sin. If, if there's anything that looks like sin in me, it's not me, it's Jesus. 
because he lives in me. Folks, don't believe that. Don't believe that. It's a, it's a joke. Folks, this scripture is talking about the fact that we've been delivered. We've been delivered from the guilt of sin. We've been delivered from the power and the authority of sin through faith in Christ. And yes, he lives in us, but he will lead us to do what is right and what is good and what is godly, not sin. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And sin is still, sin is still just missing, just missing the mark. John says for a man to say he has no sin is a simple attempt to deceive himself. We like to do that, don't we? Like to do that. We like to deceive ourselves. We we go uh, we go to the mirror. The Bible says we go to the mirror and we look in the mirror and we see what we look like and then we turn away and, and we look like somebody else. You know, I mean, you look in the mirror and you may be a little haggard. That's our new word in it, Chris. You may look a little haggard, but if you look a little if you look a little haggard. You can turn away from the mirror and you can walk back somewhere else and look like Superman or Wonder Woman, you know? Because we see ourselves in our mind and we don't really pay attention to what it's really like. So we deceive ourselves. We try to deceive God and we try to deceive others. We don't want anybody to think that we're sinners. Okay, three attitudes, two wrong. And one right. To say you've never sinned, wrong. To say you have no sin now, wrong. The only right attitude is this. To say, now, a sinner. (laughs) Now, right now, right this very minute, now, a sinner. If we confess, he said it's wrong to say we have no sin. It's wrong to say that we've never sinned. If we confess our sins... Now, what does the word confess mean? The word confess means agree with God. Okay? To agree with God. Confess our sins. We have to admit them as being sins. And so what he says is, if we confess our sins, 
He, God, is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Folks, the right attitude, the only proper attitude about sin and the only way to find peace with God is to see oneself the way God sees us as sinners and to fall onto the mercy of God, to put yourself in the hands of Almighty God, to put yourself in His mercy and His grace and allow Him to cover your sins, to forgive your sins, to cleanse them, to take them away. The Bible says that He casts our sins into the depths of the sea to remember them no more. He casts them as far as the east is from the west. God doesn't want to remember our sins. He wants to erase to erase those sins out of our lives. We shouldn't compare ourselves to everybody else around us. And there are some people that do that. They they say, well, I don't have any sin now because look at old so-and-so. You know? <laughs> the problem with that is this. We, we're trying to deceive ourselves in that instance. And the problem with that is this. We pick out the worst old boy in town, the worst gal that we know of, and we compare ourselves to them. And in light of what they're like, we're doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. But we're still sinners. And the thing to do is for us to recognize that we're sinners to admit our sin and to come to him and find forgiveness from that sin. So the proper attitude towards sin is to realize we're each and every one sinners and to confess that sin to God. To confess that sin to God. Now, I want you to not overlook the beautiful promise of God in this verse too. It says, He, God, is faithful. He, God, is just. He is faithful and he is just. Now let me tell you why that scripture, that part of that scripture is so important to you. It's because even though you've sinned against God and you've confessed it to God, you're going to mess up again. Anybody testify? Don't raise your hand. We're going to mess up again. We're going to sin again. Sometimes we sin today, we confess it to God tonight, and tomorrow we sin the same sin again. And we confess it to God tomorrow. Listen, just be sure you really mean business with God. And you can know that if you agree with God, if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just. He'll forgive it today. He'll forgive it tomorrow. He'll forgive it the next day. Now, why is it important to continue to confess those sins? Because one of these days, you're going to be really embarrassed. And you're going to go to God and you're going to say, God, I did it again. I am so sorry. And with this time, this time may be the victory time. This time may be the time that you confess it to the Lord, knowing that it's forgiven and that he gives you a victory in your life. He gives you the strength. He gives you the courage. And that's what it takes to live our lives according to the will of Almighty God. All right, let me sum it up. Go back. Saying that you have never sinned does not change the fact that you are a sinner, just like every other human being. In other words, whether you believe it or not doesn't change the fact. There's a lot of people today say, well, you know, I believe such and so. I believe, I believe that the Bible is a book of myths. Well, let me tell you something. 
Even though you believe the Bible is a book of myths, does not change the fact that the Bible is the holy word of God and that God is a supreme being. You don't believe in God? You say, I don't believe in God? I'm sorry, it doesn't change the fact. He is still the one and only God. And his word is true. Saying that you do not sin anymore is an attempt at self-deceit. It's an attempt at an unwillingness to believe the truth. It is an attitude of self-righteousness. But to realize your sin and to confess your sin brings forgiveness. It brings relief from guilt. It brings to, to you the assurance of everlasting life. And it also brings peace with God. Now, folks, there's a lot of people today who need some relief from their guilt. Guilty, guilty, guilty. We need relief from guilt. How do you get it? By confessing your sins unto God. He takes away the guilt of those sins. There was a woman who came to a minister one time. She was carrying in her hand a double handful of wet sand. And when she came to the preacher, she said, Do you see what this is, sir? He said, well, yeah, it's wet sand. She said, but do you know what it means? Now, you want, I want you to think about that. <laughs> woman comes up to you. She has a double handful of wet sand. She said, do you know what this means? Well, he said that he made the proper answer to her. He said to her, I don't know exactly what you mean by it, but I'm willing to listen. She said, ah, sir, that's me and the multitude of my sins can't be numbered. Well, in reality, if we would stop to think about it, you can't number <laughs> the sins that have been committed by you in your lifetime, even the young ones. She said, that's the multitude of my sins. I can't even number them. And then she began to weep uncontrollably. The minister calmed her down for just a minute, and he asked where did you get the sand? She said, down at the beach. He said, okay, go back to the beach and take a shovel. Go down on the beach and dig with your shovel in the sand until you have a mountain of sand. And then go back up on the beach and watch as the tides roll in and see the effects of the waves and the tides on your mountain of sand. Folks, the old song says, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunged beneath that flood lose all their guilty stains. Folks, there is no mountain of sin so big that the blood of Jesus cannot wash it away if you will only admit it. If you will only agree with God. If you will only confess it sincerely unto the Lord. Father, thank you for the word of God. Thank you, Lord, that you remind us of truth, that you tell us that we're everyone sinners. And that, Father, we can find the forgiveness that we need, but the only way, the only way is through faith in Jesus Christ. Help us, Lord, today in this place as your Spirit uh, comes to us and reveals to us the sin in our lives. 
Help us today to confess that sin and find it forgiven. Find relief from guilt and everlasting life. Speak to our hearts just now, Spirit of God, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to the Sunday morning worship services of the Pruitt Baptist Church in Van, Texas with Pastor David McNary. A podcast of the service is available on demand at the KCAA website at www.kcaaradio.com. To listen to the service at any time, go to the KCAA Sunday schedule and click the podcast link under the image of Pastor McNary. The Pruitt Baptist Church is located at 9908 State Highway 110 in Van, Texas. The Sunday worship schedule includes Bible study at 9.45 a.m., morning worship at 11 a.m., and evening worship at 6 p.m. For more information about the Pruitt Baptist Church, visit their website at www.pruittbaptistchurch.com or call 903-963-7473. This is 1050 a.m. KCAA Loma Linda and 106.5 FM Yucaipa. This is InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's what's happening on this week's show. When crime numbers go down, it's good news for everyone. But what if those numbers were manipulated? We'll talk to a former police captain. They get a lot of pressure from headquarters, so they're constantly being compared to last year's numbers. And the pressure on them is to make sure the numbers go down. Then, 75% of 3- to 5-year-olds are in child care. And an expert says these kids aren't getting enough exercise. Daily physical activity is essential for preschool-age children. We're developing gross motor skills, refined motor skills, socio-emotional development, developing peer relationships. All of these are actually best learned on the playground. Those two stories, and much more, are heading your way on this week's edition of InfoTrack. Stick around. Our show begins right after this. For P150, P150 GA, P150 LK, P150 TN, C250 A, C250 E, C250 Q. Not available in all states. Have you put off seeing the dentist because you can't afford to go? Are big dental bills taking a big toll on your wallet? Would you like to have dental insurance but think it's too expensive? If you answered yes to any of these questions, call Physicians Mutual Insurance Company for a free information kit. See how you can help protect your teeth and your wallet by calling now. 1-800-783-2963. This is real dental insurance that can help cover over 300 procedures. Everything from cleanings and fillings to crowns and dentures. Your acceptance is guaranteed for one of these insurance policies, even if you're retired. You can see any dentist you choose, and you'll never pay a deductible. Call in the next 10 minutes, and we'll rush you a free information kit with all the details. 1-800-783-2963. That's 1-800-783-2963. 1-800-783-2963. Welcome back. You're listening to Meh in the Morning with C-List guests, boring callers, and that one song we keep playing. Brought to you by the same old breakfast muffin sandwich. It doesn't get more meh than this. Trust me. Move on from meh mornings. Try the breakfast crunch wrap from Taco Bell. Stuffed with scrambled eggs, bacon, and melted cheddar cheese, plus a whole crispy hash brown. Wrapped up and freshly grilled in a warm tortilla. It's more of a meal than a muffin. Wake up with Moss. At participating locations, served during breakfast hours. Ah! 
Oh, fresh powder. I'll get the skis. Ugh, I can't. Winter nasal congestion. Is it A, cold, B, sinus pressure, C, allergies? I'm not sure. For all of the above, the answer is D, Allegra D, a maximum strength decongestant plus a powerful non-drowsy antihistamine for 24 hours of relief. Feel better? <sighs> yep. Feel like racing? <laughs> hey, wait! This winter, the answer is Allegra D. Look for Allegra D at the pharmacy counter. Use as directed. InfoTrack, the weekly show with information you should know. Here's your host, Chris Whitting. Someone once said, facts are stubborn things, but statistics are more pliable. Our next guest has taken a hard look at a set of official police crime statistics, which were used to shape policy and make many key decisions. Were these numbers manipulated or misused? And what does this mean for all the other statistics used by organizations to shape their policies? Let's welcome John Eterno to InfoTrack. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, thank you. You're a retired police captain with the New York City Police Department, and now you're associate dean and professor at Malloy College, and you're co-author of The Crime Numbers Game, Management by Manipulation, along with Eli Silverman, who was a co-author. What motivated you to write this book? Did you witness real manipulation of crime figures when you were with the police department? I certainly heard about it from many people that I worked with. I did not witness it myself, but the thing that got us to do the research initially was the PBA and the SBA, the Patrolman's Benevolent Association and the Sergeant's Benevolent Association, which is the union for New York City officers, came out with a press conference in which they said that this manipulation was taking place. That, combined with other anecdotal information that I heard from the police department, got us interested in doing some sort of scientific analysis. There has been, and there currently is, no other scientific analysis other than what we've done that has actually gone in and talked to the officers, as opposed to some people just looking at trends and things. Well, if you look at statistics, such as the number of assaults or robberies, how can those numbers be manipulated or misused versus anecdotal evidence? First, it's due to the pressure. They get a lot of pressure from headquarters, and these pressures are just enormous. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.